I don't know if you saw Tucker Carlson versus uh, Mike Pence clip. It was one of the most watched political clips, I think, in the history of political clips. Uh, just absolutely uh, stunning. And I want to play this clip. If you see the clip, Tucker becomes exasperated in disbelief of uh, Mike's Pence focus. I want to play this clip for us now because this is we're going to talk about it. We're going to just talk about it during the program today. Along the way, the Biden administration has been slow in providing military support. Make no mistake about this. We promised them 33 Abrams tanks in January. I heard again two weeks ago in Ukraine, they still don't have them. We've been telling them we'll train their F-16 pilots, but now they're saying maybe January. Tucker we'll let somebody exactly. transfer some jets. I'm Tucker sorry, looks. Mr. Vice President, have you, I know you're running for president. You are are distressed that the Ukrainians don't have enough American tanks. Every city in the United States has become much worse over the past three years. Drive around. There's not one city that's gotten better in the United States. And it's visible. Our economy has degraded. The suicide rate has jumped. Public filth and disorder and crime have exponentially increased. And yet... Your concern is that the Ukrainians, a country most people can't find on a map, Vice who President Pitts is tens of billions pissed. of U.S. tax dollars, don't have enough tanks. I think it's a fair question to, to ask, like, where's the concern for the United States in that? Well, it's not my concern. That the United States is a concern? Tucker, I've heard that routine from you before, but that's not my concern. Woo! I'm running for president of the United States because I think this country's in a lot of trouble. Wow. I think... Welcome to Cross at the Capitol. Episode 12, and I'm your host, Mr. Autry J. Pruitt. Like, subscribe, and share this show right now. Cross the Capitol is the bridge between policy and prayer. We people of faith are being called to adjust our mindsets to meet the unique challenges of the moment. Our question today is what to do about the Russia-Ukraine war. What do we do about it? We're going to go to James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3 in Matthew 24. So let's go to James real quick. We've got a lot of verses to get through today. Six verses to be precise. James 1 through 3, chapter 4. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have. You commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask, and you ask and do not receive because you ask with the wrong motive so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Matthew 24, 5 and 6. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of war. See that you are not frightened for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. Wow. Wow, so much to unpack here. Now, this verse in James is not about war per se, but rather about quarrels between people. And it is essential to note that war, at least in my mind, in most cases, is just that. It's a larger version of quarrels between two people. If you go back, it's essentially ask, why do you quarrel? You quarrel because you lust after things you don't have. You quarrel because you're envious and you can't get something. You fight because you haven't even asked. And if you do come to somebody and ask, you ask with the wrong motives. It's because your motives are really about you and not about 
the other people. In fact, this is one of the reasons why I think many Americans may have a problem with the war is that they believe because of our history, because of our experience that this war, like maybe the Gulf Wars War, aren't really about us caring about the Ukrainian people. It's about the support or something thereof of some kind of global elite problem or system that could be the problem where individuals have not been able to explain thoroughly why it is we need to support Ukraine. I could explain it. Right. Some of you who disagree with it could probably explain it. But these officials such as Vice President Pence and many people like, for example, the commentary podcast from that podcast failed to explain out why is it important strategically or even historically that we support Ukraine and this Russian Ukraine war. Mike Pence couldn't articulate the reason for caring. He couldn't adequately explain why Ukraine is important and why couldn't he explain about it, right? He couldn't explain about it because he was too busy focused on running for president, the wrong motives. I, I, I'm not sure if he really believes it or is his motives to supporting it is because he believes it's an avenue for him getting the presidency. It talks about that. You quarrel among you. You won't ask because you don't get, you don't get, because your motives are impure. Have, has anybody ever thought about that on that side? That maybe even though the cause is legit, if your uh, morals, motives, excuse me, if your motives were more pure, then perhaps you actually could see one day, you could get one day what you've asked for. I believe what Americans are saying is that if you're going to take our boys and our girls and our money to another country over interest at home, it's worth asking, how is that justified? That's what we're being asked. How is that justified? And one of the things that we have to, when I said what to do, what should we do about the Russian Ukraine war? We should be asking the proper question. We should be asking the proper questions of our leaders and the proper questions are and, 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 and Tucker captured here a little bit more extensively, but I think it's much more simple than that. The question is you want to take my money and you want to take several individuals lives over to Ukraine. Cause make no mistake about it. That's where we're headed. I know you believe it's all money right now, but I believe eventually there will have to be American troops over there somewhere. And everybody's just trying to gear us up that the war has been going on now for 509 days. At what point does somebody say we got to have some troops over there? So the question, like I said, is much more simple. You want to take our kids, our children, our money, our property, and you want to go and spend it overseas. Can you please explain to me why you want to do this? Now, in this case, there's actually an admiral justification for it. Now, this is something Tucker doesn't want to tell you, and I know this is going to upset some people because most of my audience, no doubt, is against the war, but 
or let me, let me phrase that, I apologize, is against the U.S. coming in on the war, right? Under the notion that we have all these problems at home, so why are we getting into this whole war situation in Ukraine? But one of the things that Tucker needs to be aware of, that there is a history here. There's two parts of this history that we should be aware of. The first part of the history is that when Ukraine was, and I'm going to say it like this, bamboozled into losing their nuclear weapons. The United States, with several other countries, said, we got you, we protect you. And one of the arguments Ukraine was making at the time was that Russia is going to try to invade us. Russia is going to take over. And if Russia takes over, if Russia tries to invade, The only way is to have a deterrent, and the deterrent is nuclear weapons. And they said, no, 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 if anything like that happens, we got you. Ukraine foolishly believed the U.S. and the powers that be, and they uh, became uh, unnuclearized. Is that a word? (laughs) They became a part of a denuclearization pact, right? Now it's turned out that this was... Absolutely not true. That Ukraine wasn't expecting a few tanks and a few planes or even some money. They were expecting that Russia was not going to do it because the forces together with the United States, the forces of Europe and the United States would come in and prevent them. So one argument you can make that Pence can make that others can make and say, hey, years ago, we as a country, we as a nation, we committed that if Ukraine would get rid of their nuclear weapons, we would be there to defend. And as other countries, be it North Korea, be it in Iran, as other countries seek to get nuclear weapons, we want to have a reputation of when we sit down and negotiate the aid table and we say, listen, if your country does X, Y, and Z for the betterment of the world, we will go ahead and defend you if a bad actor comes in and tries to take you over. We want to have a good reputation sitting at the negotiating table. And if we can't have that good reputation, if we can't say that statement and it be true, then any negotiations we make are a, a, a falsehood. One of the things, I, I know we don't like Iran or North Korea, but let's take one of the arguments Iran makes. One of the arguments that, and this is very, I'm keeping this very, very simple. I'm not an international expert. How can you talk about this if you're not an expert? I think the reason I could talk about this is because, number one, it's my taxpayer dollars, right? Number two, you're asking me to to sacrifice even more. Number three, freedom of speech. And number four, I'm exactly the person who should be talking about it. Because I'm probably more representative of the country than America. I mean, not America, than experts, So one of the things that you got to be able to look and say is say, okay, I I get that. I get that nonproliferation agreements. I get that importance. I get that negotiation. And that could be something. That's an argument that could be made. And I wonder, is Tucker aware that I've only heard him briefly talk about this a lot. I can't spend a lot of time watching his old show or certainly watching all of his uh, Twitter videos. But I definitely have seen now where he spends 
where he has not really spent any time grappling with how did we get here. Now, what's curious to me is Mike Pence and the other Ukraine individuals, I've never really heard him make this argument. And to me, that is the most powerful argument is to say, listen, we don't want Iran to have weapons. And if we want to have a negotiating position with them eventually or North Korea or any of these actors that want to build nuclear weapons, we need to be a country of our word. That's an argument. People may not like it, but I think people would understand it. But I believe people like Mike Pence, etc., they think we're so stupid that we can't understand those basic agreements. And, and, and this highlights another problem. We are too disconnected from one another. What to do about the Russian-Ukraine war is to learn from it that we need to make sure our public policy becomes a policy, especially those that surround international affairs, that connect us more together. If you go back, World War One, World War Two, I knew veterans of World War Two, the Korean War, the Civil War, didn't know anybody in the Civil War, in Vietnam, right? Most folks had a family member or at least a close personal friend who partook in the war. They partake in it, right? Everyone felt the impact of the war. It gave balance. And in most of these wars, one, two, Vietnam, Korea, civil. By the way, I didn't give those in order. In all those cases, the country, the entire nation was spun up in the war effort. Now, there's some bad consequences from that and some good consequences from that. And one of the good consequences is that we were able to be like the old text used to say from the King James Version of the Bible. We used to be on one accord. In other words, we had like minds about certain things. And now we're so divided and so disconnected that the people going to war have no connection to the people who are spending money on the war, who have no connection to the pundits. There are always disagreements. There are always disagreements Violent disagreements in the Vietnam War that resulted in death. But there were some common traits shared. There was some common understanding. And I think now we don't have those common understandings because everyone is not in the same system anymore. And it's apparent and you can feel it. There is no balance. So what are we called to do? All that's well and good, but what can we do about the Russian-Ukraine war? Should we commit our troops? Should we commit our lives, our money? I'm going to, it's complex, but I'm going to propose something. I do believe that sitting back and doing nothing isn't, the right answer for national security reasons. And it's for the reason I said that we have to honor our agreements. This is why, by the way, you don't get into the agreements in the first place. Because this is what happens. I want you to take Afghanistan. We went into Afghanistan And we introduced 
a domestic way, a Western domestication of life over there, a Western style way of living where women got went to school, women had driver's licenses, women had the right to vote, because we ran Afghanistan for what, 20 years? For a little less than half of my life? And we up and we left. And now, from my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, please, from my understanding, Afghanistan is now back to women can't get educated. Women need permission from their husbands to do certain things such as work. I don't know if they took away the driver's license yet officially. I heard they did, but there's some restrictions around that. In other words, women don't have the same rights. So the question becomes, what point, at what point do we as Americans have responsibility Hello. For going into a country, setting up a system, showing freedom, getting people free, and then we upchuck and leave. Or we make a promise and then we fail to fulfill that promise. At what point do we have responsibility? So what should we do about it? The first thing is not to have, I'm not saying have some kind of crazy sympathy for Ukraine. Although I think that people deserve sympathy. I really do. I'm saying, can we honor the agreements we made? I know it's not popular. I'm sorry. But it's true. It's true. Can we honor the agreements we made? And then secondly, is being really cautious about being anywhere else in the world with our influence because it has ramifications 40, 50, 60, 70 years after the case. Japan was a good example. We were responsible for them. You know? I I know it doesn't always compute. I know we're... we're, uh, I believe in America first. But if you make a commitment to go do something in your own life, if you can make a commitment to help someone out and you have the capability, sure, you've got other things you could be doing. Do you say, oh, me first, I I, I lied to you. I mean, we wouldn't tolerate that in any other aspect. So why do we tolerate that internationally? I think Mr. Carlson is a little too flippant with the notion that these individuals don't care, that these individuals are prioritizing one thing over another thing. At the same time, these individuals do a a, a horrible, piss-poor job being able to explain or articulate, and that might be because their motives aren't right. So, one understanding where our motives are when we go and help a country, understanding the long-term legit, uh, long-term implications of those motives, 
and understanding that when we do go someplace, we got to get it right from the start and should be very hesitant to go anywhere that's not our home. These are all things, by the way, all things that we need to make sure we know and understand what we're doing before we go trouching ourselves overseas somewhere. If you enjoyed this program, send it right now to someone you know. My name is Archer J. Pruitt. This has been Cross at the Capitol. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or wherever you may get your podcasts. Remember, wisdom is the main thing. And with all that getting, get an understanding.